Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about vaccinations. And the first article we're going to start with is what I'd tell you over coffee if you asked if we vaccinate. So stay tuned. Jackie says, I was asked again recently if we vaccinated our children. Before I begin, I believe in parental rights. I hope we can all respect each other's choice to decide what is best for our individual children and resist the temptation to judge one another. That said, you need to realize that aborted fetuses are needed for and their DNA are in vaccines. As a mother in RN, I've been researching this topic in depth for quite a while, spurred on by an adverse reaction in my first son with his first and only DTaP back in 91. And I have many reasons for not trusting common vaccine science. So let's talk about 12 basic reasons for our decisions and the research behind it. Number one, you really should be concerned about the toxic ingredients in vaccines. Injecting neurotoxins like aluminum and formaldehyde, aborted fetal cells, multiple antibiotics, and various animal serums into the body is going to cause a lot more harm than even a rough week of the measles or chicken pox. In my cost-benefit analysis, the chances of my child being harmed from vaccines is far greater than the chances of my child being harmed from one of these illnesses. Once you digest this fact, you will understand why there should be far less fear about diseases and more about vaccines. And many moms are coming to this conclusion. Number two, read the latest pilot study of unvaccinated versus vaccinated children, which found significantly higher rates of allergies, chronic diseases, ear infections, and learning disabilities in those vaccinated on schedule. And we will talk more about that in just a few minutes with another article. Who do you think will grow up healthier? those that are vaccinated or those that are unvaccinated. A new groundbreaking survey of hundreds of homeschooled American children found that compared to the unvaccinated children, the vaccinated children had higher odds of developing chronic illness, eczema, neurodevelopmental disorders, autism, ADHD, learning disabilities, and allergic rhinitis. Number three. Can someone please explain how we survived the 1980s with vaccination rates well below herd immunity thresholds and few far vaccines? Why didn't everyone die? If you look at the data from the CDC, the DTaP was 63%, polio was 53%, and MMR was 61%. Number four, vaccines aren't as effective as we are told. Actually, there's a huge failure rate. That's why booster shots are given so often. That's also why highly vaccinated populations show just as high rate of disease. Number five, the diseases we vaccinate for are mild and build lifelong immunity. So why risk a forever vaccine injury? The immune systems of normally healthy children do the work 
and the diseases leave with no serious lasting effects. An excellent natural cure is vitamin C. Frederick Klenner, MD, observed that safe high doses of vitamin C could quickly dry up chickenpox and cure measles, polio, and hepatitis. Vitamin C, NA-ascorbate for whooping cough by Suzanne Humphreys is a good resource. Between 2005 and 2014, there have been no deaths from measles in the U.S. and 108 deaths from the MMR vaccine. There was one death in 2015 and none since that. Number six, I don't believe the vaccines play much of a role in eliminating disease. History offers little evidence that vaccines are responsible for eradicating disease, even when herd immunity vaccination levels have been reached. Most of the diseases we vaccinate for today were already on a steep decline before their respective vaccines were widely introduced. Before you laugh, since this may go against everything you've ever been taught, I'd ask you to look further into actual CDC statistics. And there's actually a graph on Jackie's original post, which we will post the show, the link on the show notes below. Number seven, many vaccines were designed using aborted fetal tissue as a growth medium. No, there's not fetal tissue in vaccines. That is a common misconception. But there are unavoidable traces of fetal cells foreign human DNA in many of them. I cannot support a medical practice that benefits from abortion. But no matter your views on abortion, you have to admit that there's a flaw with this practice. No safety studies have been done on the effects of foreign DNA in the, in the bloodstream. Watch Dr. Stanley Plotkin admit fetal cell lines are in vaccines under oath in a court testimony. Again, the link to this is in the original post. This man is evil and has used adopted and those that they deemed not contributing to society as guinea pigs, also in people in Africa. Number eight, you can vaccinate, but you can't unvaccinate. Please look at the risks and disorders on each vaccine insert. Adverse events are listed on the vaccine package inserts themselves. If we would just take the time to read them, your doctor probably won't show you these. Adverse effects are not rare. And that's why the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program in the USA has paid out almost $4.6 billion in vaccine injury compensation claims, not the one in a million cases we're led to believe. Number nine, unvaccinated children pose no risk to others. It's the other way around. In an open letter to senators, immunologist Tetya Obukanch states unequivocally, that unvaccinated children pose no additional threat or risk to vaccinated children. It's often stated that those who choose not to vaccinate their children for reasons of conscience endanger the rest of the public. And, there is, and this is the rationale behind most of the legislation to end vaccine exemptions currently being considered by federal and state legislators countrywide. You should be aware that the nature of protection afforded by many modern vi vaccines and that includes most of the vaccines recommended by the CDC for children, is not consistent with such a statement. That's Dr. Tatiana. Number 10. If you vaccinate, you will be shedding live virus vaccines, includes the measles and chickenpox vaccine after shots. The John Hopkins Patient Guide to Caring for the Immunocompromised once contained information warning patients to stay away from those recently vaccinated. Interestingly, it has been changed, I believe, under pressure from those who reap huge financial benefits for, from vaccine sales. 
Scientific evidence demonstrates that individuals vaccinated with live virus vac vaccines, such as MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella, rotavirus, chickenpox, shingles, and influenza, can shed the virus for many weeks or months afterwards and infect the vaccinated and unvaccinated alike. Furthermore, vaccine recipients can carry diseases in the back of their throat and infect others while displaying no symptoms of disease. Next time you hear someone blame unvaccinated children, please remember who is really spreading the disease. In fact, it says on the care for the immunocompromised patient on the John Hopkins Hospital Patient Information Sheet, tell friends and family who are sick or have recently had a live vaccine, such as chickenpox, measles, rubella, intranasal influenza, polio, or smallpox, not to visit. It may be a good idea to have visitors call first and avoid contact with children who were recently vaccinated. Number 11, healthy human cells can take up foreign DNA sponta spontaneously. Foreign human DNA will be transported into nuclei and be integrated into host genome. The effects of injecting foreign DNA from the opposite gender has effects that are devastating and far-reaching. We don't realize the breadth or depth of them yet, but we're seeing some of them manifest in the chronically ill sick children in our nation. Those trying to teach about vaccine dangers, number 12, have only one motivation, and that is to prevent more suffering. We've either witnessed it firsthand in our own family or know those who have. Number 13, we must question what doctors and government tell us before many more children and families are harmed, possibly yours. Number 14, all those years ago, it wasn't too late for me to change my mind when I saw what it did to our first child, and it's not too late for you to change your mind either. If you decided not to vaccine and now regret it, you can still detox that vaccine, and we will talk more about that in a few minutes. Vaccine science is severely lacking. It is the tobacco science of our time. The current vaccine schedule, which has more than tripled since vaccine manufacturers became protected from liability, has never been tested for safety. There hasn't been a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study comparing the outcomes of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. This next article is titled Vaccinated versus Unvaccinated Children. Guess who is healthier? Moss and Study. Vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. Until now, there has not been one single published study that compared them to see who is healthier or sicker years after the shots. This first-of-its-kind study of vaccinated versus unvaccinated American homeschooled children show who are really ailing. It is known as the Mawson study. Read it if you want and choose what you believe is the best option for your child. America's children are sick, really sick. 
According to Science Direct, an estimated 43% of U.S. children, that's 32 million, currently have at least one of 20 chronic health conditions, not including obesity. We're seeing once rare pediatric disorders from Tourette's syndrome and type 1 diabetes to autism and ADD soaring, though there's little pooling of data. It seems to me if people really wanted hard science, this would have been done. Compared to their parents, young children today are four times more likely to have a chronic illness. According to the CCHR International, a mental health watchdog, today's generation of kids is a pharmaceutical company's dream. More than 1 million American children under 5 years old take a psychiatric drug. More than 8.3 million kids under 17 have consumed psychiatric drugs. And the CDC says in any given month, one in four is taking at least one prescription drug for something. We're assured that vaccines are safe and effective, even though public health officials acknowledge they sometimes have serious side effects, including death. And despite the troubling fact that no long-term study of their effect on overall health has ever been conducted. In medicine, this used to be unthinkable. And so the numbers keep climbing. 50 doses of 14 vaccines by age 6. 69 doses of 16 pharmaceutical vaccines containing powerfully immune-altering ingredients by age 18. This month, a pilot study appeared in the Journal of Translational Sciences. Nearly 700 homeschooled 6- to 12-year-olds from four states compared 261 unvaccinated children with 405 partially or fully vaccinated reports and assessed their overall health based on their mother's reports of vaccinations and physician-diagnosed illnesses. What it found about increases in immune-mediated diseases like allergies and neurodevelopmental diseases including Autism should make all parents think twice. Vaccinated children were more than three times as likely to be diagnosed on the autism spectrum than unvaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 30-fold more likely to be diagnosed with allergic rhinitis, hay fever, than non-vaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 22-fold more likely to require an allergy medication. Vaccinated children have more than quadruple the risk of being diagnosed with a learning disability than unvaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 300% more likely to be diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder than unvaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 340% more likely to have been diagnosed with pneumonia than unvaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 300% more likely to be diagnosed with an ear infection than unvaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 700% more likely to have surgery to insert ear drainage tubes than unvaccinated children. Vaccinated children were 2.5-fold more likely to be diagnosed with any chronic illness than unvaccinated children. The trouble with doing a vaccinated versus unvaccinated study 60 years or so after it should have been done is that virtually all American children are vaccinated today. When 95% of children get injections, there are few controls left for studying long-term outcomes. Comparing American children at large to small pockets of unvaccinated children, like those in the Amish community, Amish community is revealing, but critics say they are comparing apples to oranges. There are too many other va- variables, diet, fresh air, computer time, for example, that might explain differences in health besides vaccination status. So Anthony Mawson, a professor in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics in the School of Public Health, Jackson State University, along with colleagues Azeb Bayan 
and Buy New Jacob collaborated with Brian D. Ray, president of the National Home Education Research Institute. They collaborated to engage and enroll homeschooling families through an anonymous online survey to participate in the study. In this way, homeschoolers were compared to homeschoolers, apples to apples, but with the added advantage that homeschoolers as a population match the profiles of American families at large. The Children's Medical Safety Research Institute distilled the research findings. Both vaccinated and unvaccinated children in the study got sick sometimes. And as expected, vaccinated children were less likely to have some infections that they were vaccinated against. They were 71% like, less likely to have chickenpox. Odds ratio what equals 0.26. They were 75% less likely to have had whooping cough, pertussis. Odds ratio was 0.3. And 87% less likely to have had a rubella infection. Odds ratio equals 0.1. However, in spite of public health hysteria over outbreaks of measles at Disneyland and mumps resurgence, there was no evidence that vaccinated children were any more protected against those so-called vaccine-preventable diseases. Children in both groups had about the same rates of infection with measles, mumps, hepatitis A and B, influenza, rotavirus, and meningitis, both viral and bacteria. Unvaccinated children in the study were actually better protected against some vaccine-preventable diseases than children who got the shots. Since 2000, the CDC has recommended four shots against seven different strains of pneumococcal infections before age 15 months, 13 strains since 2010. But vaccinated children in the study were 340% more likely to have been diagnosed with pneumonia compared to unvaccinated. Let's talk about the brain drain. In the 80s, autism occurred 1 in 10,000 children. By the early 1990s, 1 in 2,500. Five years ago, 1 in 88 children were diagnosed, and today it's 1 in 68. In the homeschooler study, the risk of being diagnosed on the spectrum was more than fourfold higher among vaccinated children. The CDC still quotes a 2004 pediatric study claiming to debunk a link between autism and vaccines, even though one of its authors, their own top scientist, William Thompson, admitted that he and colleagues concluded to obscure and then shred data he kept copies, showing a link between autism and the MMR vaccine. Thompson confessed in one taped telephone chat to Brian Hooker, a bioengineer professor at Simpson University and the father of an autistic child. The Thompson whistleblower case is the basis of 2016 documentary Vaxxed from cover-up to catastrophe by Andrew Wakefield, the gastroenterologist who was among the first to suggest a link to the MMR vaccine and autism in the late 90s and who has become a symbol of how the system deals with dissenters. It's the film that CDC does not want anyone to see. Brain and nervous system damage from vaccines is nothing new. Crippling acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, for example, which causes MRI visible white spots on the brain, is a documented side effect for virtually every vaccine. Narcolepsy and Guillain-Barre syndrome are other examples. Vaccine ingredients are known to cause brain damage. Robert Kennedy Jr. has been highlighting the dangers of mercury as thimerosal used as a preservative in vaccines and its relationship to autism. Aluminum is another powerful, well-documented neurotoxin added to vaccines as an adjuvant to evoke an immune system response. Recent research has thrown everything scientists used to say about it, and the CDC still does, in the bin. 
Aluminum has a half-life of a week and is not excreted from the body within hours or days, persisting for years and migrating to organs including lymph, spleen, and brain. Aluminum in vaccines has been implicated in studies on chronic fatigue syndrome, macrophagic myofasciitis in numerous autoimmune diseases, Alzheimer's disease, in sudden deaths following vaccination, and in autism. The FDA does not deny its toxicity, just that there are not enough aluminum toxin in vaccines to cause harm, but it calculates risk based on oral exposure. Even so, it describes memory impairment in lab, lab mice and very young animals which appeared weaker and less active and less coordinated when their mothers were exposed to aluminum during pregnancy and while nursing. Injected exposure can hardly be safer than ingested exposure. It should be obvious that the route of exposure, which bypasses the protective barriers of the gastrointestinal tract and or skin, will likely require a much lower dose to produce a toxic outcome, says a 2014 review implicating aluminum in the autism epidemic. Besides toxic metals like aluminum and mercury, vaccines may contain contaminants from DNA from human aborted fetus cells animal DNA, and retroviruses, and a host of debris and metal contaminants that are not measured by oversight agencies and whose health effects have never been studied. As a possible mechanism for vaccine-induced ear infections, study authors Mawson and the colleagues cite a 2006 study that looked at the types of bacteria in the nasal passages of children immunized with the pneumococcal vaccine versus historical control, kids from the pre-PCV-7 era, and found an increased colonization of a bacteria called M. catarrhalis in the vaccinated group. M. catarrhalis, it turns out, is associated with an increased risk of ear infection. No surprise then that vaccinated children in the study were over twofold more likely to have taken antibiotics, and they were also hospitalized more often. Allergic rhinitis, hay fever, is another one of those currently inexplainably soaring pediatric plagues. In 2012, it affected 6.6 million children. It is strongly associated with another spiking childhood disorder, asthma. More than 3 million American kids have a food allergy, and one in four have eczema. Worldwide, allergies have been increasing, and they now affect almost half of all American school kids. All of this allergic data will lead to more medication. The vaccinated children in the study were 22-fold more likely to have taken allergy medicine than the unvaccinated. Other than vaccination itself, there was no explanation for the differences in health outcomes observed between the vaccinated and unvaccinated groups of children, the study's author concluded. Although the disease of the study limits causal interpretation, they added there is an apparent dose-response relationship between vaccination and chronic illness. With the, particularly, with the partially vaccinated showing intermediate odds of being diagnosed with chickenpox and whooping cough, as well as ear infection, pneumonia, allergic rhinitis, ADHD, eczema, and learning disability. For more than a century, it has been accepted public health dogma that va vaccine benefits outweigh the risks. What's more, with the introduction of five new vaccines since 1995, bringing in the total inoculations to 35 by kindergarten age, Studies of the combined effect of vaccines have never been done. The reality is real vaccine benefits are theoretical and real vaccine risks are unknown. The emergent vaccine war is really growing numbers of hesitant parents and health practitioners questioning the CDC vaccine schedule for good reasons. Why are doctors who profit from vaccines the spokesmen for public health? 
Can government health agencies really be trusted to protect our children when they are so wedded to the pharmaceutical industry? Why are toxins in vaccines? Does my kid really need this vaccine or is somebody selling it like Coca-Cola and video games? Why is it acceptable to knowingly sacrifice some children for the greater good? Is that greater good real or is it a mirage? That vaccines may sometimes curb natural infections like chickenpox sometimes appears to be the case. But if it were such a miracle, then why are American kids so sick? There's a pilot study that shows that if mainstream medicine and our public health agencies are really interested in children's health, not just vaccine profits or defending vaccine religion against blasphemy, what is needed is not the will to make everyone believe, but the courage to find out. If you look at Jackie's original posts, you will find this pilot study. You'll also find free CMSRI ebooks available for immediate download. The Children's Medical Safety Research Institute is a medical and scientific cooperative established to provide research funding for independent studies on causal factors underlying the chronic disease and disability epidemic. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS? TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals. So the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. And finally, let's look at proven vaccine detox if you see your child or baby regress. Have you ever had to watch a child regress after their shots? It's a terrifying event. Typically, social skills decline between six months and three years of age in 86% of children with autism, but that it could happen as late as seven years, according to Sally Ozanoff's UC Davis study. There's just no easy answer to vaccines for many people. I support parental choice, but mandatory vaccines are wrong in a country based on principles of freedom. I simply provide this vaccine detox information and allow you to make your own decisions. So what needs detoxed? Repeatedly injecting neurotoxins like aluminum and formaldehyde, viruses grown on aborted fetal cells, multiple antibiotics, and various animal serums into the body is going to cause a lot more harm than even a rough week of the measles or chickenpox long-term. 2017 vaccine test results published in the Quality Control Investigations on Vaccines Micro and Nano Contamination revealed that all of the vaccines are contaminated with heavy metals, not declared on the ingredients list or in the product leaflets. In a follow-up testing conducted in Germany, the vaccines by Sanofi were found to be contaminated with the following. All vaccines tested contained mercury. You will see mercury as quecksilber in German text in small amounts. Even the ones that were supposedly mercury-free had this in it. Slightly over a third of the tested vaccines contained small amounts of arsenic. Look for the word arsengesement. 
Uh, over 90% of the tested vaccines contained uranium. Urine. Yep, that's what they use to make nuclear bombs. All tested vaccines contain aluminum, even if not labeled. Gardasil, Gardasil 9, and Synflorex contain twice as much aluminum as indicated. The aluminum content in the so-called attenuated vaccines is around 1,000 to 6,000 times above the safe limits for drinking water. By the way, aluminum adjuvants commonly used in vaccines have been identified by immunologists as a trigger for later development of food allergies in children. Our oldest son reacted to his DTaP with a 30-hour bout of unearthly screaming and high fever. My mom's institution and nurse's instinct was to stop shots and build his immune system rather than forge ahead and try to undo damage later. We never went back to the well-baby, well-child visit again with any of our children. So to me, procrastination is a virtue when it comes to shots. He could always get vaccinated later. That was my thinking then. And now I know and have seen too much to believe vaccines are safe and effective. In some children, parents clearly see when normal development stops and the child starts to lose ground in communication and social skills after a round of shots. There's no shortage of videos by families chronicling the regression of their child. Dr. Mary Megson, a developmental pediatrician at the University of Virginia, has over 26 years of clinical experience treating autistic children. She has developed a vaccine detox protocol for treating regression early based on a clinical discovery, blocked vitamin A pathways in the brain. Working off of research done by Ron Evans from Cornell University, which found that language centers in the brain were dependent on vitamin A pathways, Dr. Megson examined the diets of the autistic children in her practice. She found these children were getting plenty of vitamin A, but it wasn't the natural form of vitamin A found in liver, kidney, milk fat, or old-fashioned cod liver oil. After first stage use of cod liver oil, TRS, a simple nano zeolite spray, is known to remove toxins with a positive charge, including aluminum, mercury, arsenic, fluoride, barium, strontium, uranium, lead, etc. Herbicides and pesticides, mold and yeast toxins, carcinogens from smoke and haze, plastic residues, and radioactive material in the body. You can read on Jackie's blog Avalon's story, Christie's story, and many other testimonies of what TRS can do. But let's go back to talking about cod liver oil for a minute. The first patient Dr. Megson placed on cod liver oil was a nine-year-old who was nonverbal. The child also had symptoms of pacing and flapping. She prescribed small doses of cod liver oil for three weeks at home. When the child arrived back in the examination room, Dr. Megson was thrilled to witness a conversant child. He was informing his mom that he could get up on the table by himself. Since cod liver oil contains the most concentrated form of natural vitamin A of any food, as well as a special form of vitamin A named 14-hydroxyretroretinol, which turns on memory T cells, this is what Dr. Megson decided to give her patients. Dr. Megson went on to conduct a placebo-controlled study with 40 autistic children, 29 boys and 9 girls, ages 2 to 12 years old. The study lasted six months. The children were given either a placebo oil or cod liver oil on a daily basis in the following amounts. For two to five years old, half a teaspoon of cod liver oil per day, equaling 2,500 IU of vitamin A a day. Five to 10 year old, three quarters of a teaspoon, equaling 3,750 IU vitamin A a day. And for 10 to 12 year olds, one teaspoon of cod liver oil per day, 
equaling 5,000 IU of vitamin A per day. In this case, make sure you note, more is not better. Follow the amounts above. There were vast improvements with vaccine detox in overall health, asthma symptoms, eye contact, and better language skills, with understanding coming before expressive language ability for those children who received the cod liver oil. Dr. Megson also has extensive clinical experience with babies. Dr. Megson described what she observed. I've treated several infants two months and under now who got their earliest vaccines and vitamin K, who lost eye contact, stopped turning to sounds and became less responsive with one-fifth teaspoon cod liver oil once per day, either rubbed on the belly or in a bottle for two to three days, and it all comes back. Dr. Megson has a full presentation on the use of cod liver oil as a vaccine detox, and you can see the link for that in Jackie's original article. It is obvious regression symptoms immediately after a first round of shots is not coincidental, as claimed by mainstream medicine. Evidence of blocked pathways in the brain show the need for vaccine detox. Speed of treatment is critical to recovery, and cod liver oil can play a key role in that recovery process. Our children have had cod liver oil for years and all have no problem with taking it. If you don't make a big deal of it, neither will your children. Vital Nutrients Ultra Pure Cod Liver Oil, 1800 IU Vitamin A, is found in high-quality health food stores and online. Rosita Extra Virgin Cod Liver Oil Soft Gels is also recommended, and Extra Virgin Droppy Cod Liver Oil. Grandmother knew that a half teaspoon or one teaspoon of old-fashioned cod liver oil for a child was perfect. Remember, grandmothers did not know the exact IUs in their cod liver oil, just that their children got it. Cod liver oil was often homemade or community made. Of course, you never have to worry about vaccine-induced regression if you don't vaccinate. You can spend your time instead researching the history of those supposedly vaccine-preventable infectious illnesses we're taught so persistently to fear, and find out that before the advent of the vaccines, they were considered benign. It's only been the last four decades of alarmist industry, mainstream rhetoric, that reshaped public perception, that the fundamental nature and purpose of those illnesses have been egregiously misrepresented. From pediatrician Dr. Tony Bank, while in my position as director of the pediatric emergency room at Michael Reese Hospital in Chicago, I had initially been furious if parents came in and were not up to date on their children's vaccines. But this attitude changed and changed drastically because I began to see patterns. Children who were seen in the vaccine clinic would then come to our ER with seizures, respiratory arrest, and asthma attacks. I began to realize not all children respond well to vaccinations, and in fact, some die. And from pediatrician Dr. Paul Thomas, speaking about the more than 13,000 kids in his practice, As unpopular as this observation might be, my unvaccinated children are by far the healthiest. A few closing thoughts on vaccine detox. Dr. Megson specifically warns that the synthetic form of the vitamin, retinyl palamate or retinyl acetate, is not as effective. If you do choose to or are forced to vaccinate, having a bottle of 100% natural cod liver oil and advanced TRS on hand is a wise plan. Keep the cod liver oil refrigerated. It would also be prudent to give small doses of this vaccine detox, a half to one teaspoon a day, several days before the shot as a preventative. In closing, 
If you are interested in learning more about TRS and why Jackie loves it so much and feels so confident recommending it to your family, go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.